Christmas, everybody, from the leadership of Beaumont's First Baptist Church. Thanks for joining us. Have you had a good Christmas day so far? Let's have a bit of fun to start off this morning. These are some of the dad jokes I've already made today. What is the best possible Christmas present? A broken drum. You, did, you just can't beat it. <laughs> did you hear that Walmart is giving away dead batteries for Christmas? Yeah, they're free of charge. <laughs> What do you call a snowman who vacations in the tropics? A puddle. <laughs> Did you hear about the man who stole an advent calendar? Yeah, he got 25 days and they never saw it coming. <laughs> yeah, I laugh and I think back to our first trip to the Holy Land. While there, we bought this nativity, nativity set you see behind me here in our living room. It was carved out of olive wood in the town of Beth, from the town of Bethlehem and had all the traditional figures, sheep and camels and wise men and shepherds, Mary, Joseph, and of course, 
uh, the baby Jesus. But as we began to talk about how we could get it home, the shop owner said something that made me laugh. He said we did not need to take it, uh, try to take it through the very tight security at Tel Aviv Airport. He told us that each figure would be carefully scrutinized and even x-rayed, that we needed to ship it. When I asked him why they would be so diligent, the shop owner explained it this way. You see, they must make sure there's nothing explosive in them. And I thought, wow, you know, the Christmas story is explosive. It's, it's part of the dynamite of the gospel story. There is power in knowing that Almighty God loved us enough to come to this earth, be born, live a perfect life, die for our sins, and then rise from the dead and give us the promise of new, abundant, and eternal life. Symbols are important, and Christmas is filled with symbols. The Christmas symbols of the world are Santa Claus and tinsel, Christmas tree, snow, sleigh bells, holly, mistletoe, presents, roasted turkey, cranberries, and recently they've added shopping, vacations, special movies, and of course Christmas music, all pointing to the fun, the family, and the stuff. But Christians have their unique symbols. For example, shepherds and manger scenes and kings and stars the baby Jesus, angels, music, and musicals, giving to the needy in a special time of praise and worship to the Lord for the birth of Christ. Why does God give so many symbols in Scripture? Why does God love symbols? Why? Because God uses tangible things to remind us of Himself. Symbols point us to the substance of the real thing. The shadows point to the light. God had told Hosea, the prophet, that God is a lion, a leopard, a bear, an eagle, a husband, a lover, a parent. Symbols. In the Lord's Supper, the broken bread reminds us of His broken body. The cup of the Lord's Supper reminds us of His blood. Being baptized in water is a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. This morning, I want to look at two Christmas symbols that are powerful. Number one is the star. The star was a symbol. We've studied it the last few weeks on Sunday mornings. Our, our youngest daughter is the one who puts the star on our tree every year. And I, I, I go to Matthew chapter 2. This is the text we studied a few weeks back. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw, saw his star right in the east and have come to worship him. Verse 8, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came, and it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What, what is the meaning of this star? Well, first, it means direction, right? A star guided, guided them. Second, it was a sign. It told them of a king. Third, it pointed to the future. The babe would be a king. And fourth... It gave encouragement. They rejoiced when they saw it. Right? Great meaning for the star. There's other mentions of stars in Scripture. Genesis chapter 1, God created the stars. It says in Genesis 1.16, God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night, and He made the stars also. The naked eye 
can see 4,000 stars, uh, but the Hubble telescope can see three, 400 million stars. Ministers of the gospel are called stars in Revelation 1.20. In the book of Revelation, John saw Christ in his glorified body, and John saw that Jesus had seven stars in his right hand. Jesus interpreted what John said, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, the seven stars of the seven ministers of the seven churches. So what do we learn from the light that comes from the star? Well, first, wise men called the star they saw in the east his star. That's what we learn. It's not called the big star, the bright star, the outstanding star, or even the eastern star. It was called his star. If you ever study stars in school, you know that there are two kinds of stars. First, the star that shines because of its own energy and light, like our sun. They burn brightly. They have their own light. But some stars only reflect the light of other stars. They have nothing in themselves, no light. Our moon would be an example for that. Which do you think Christians are? Are we the, the latter or the former? Right? Well, we're the latter. We only reflect the light of Christ to the world. We are stars for Him. And that gives us our second thing we learn from the light of the star, is that the star leads to Jesus. Look at verse 9 again. It says, The star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. The star, the, the symbol is perfect. We are to be stars guiding others, guiding us and guiding others to Jesus. So the star was a symbol, but the star of the show is Jesus. Here's the baby figurine from my nativity set carved from olive wood in Bethlehem, hand-carved, not machine-carved. Of course, the most important part of the Christmas story and the Christmas day is baby Jesus himself. Of course, he's no symbol. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Do not let anything steal baby Jesus from your nativity this Christmas. Have you ever heard of the stolen baby Jesus syndrome? A few years back in Wellington, Florida, their baby Jesus got stolen two years running. Their nativity... It was a wealthy community, and it had a baby Jesus worth $1,800 in the nativity scene. The third time around, they put a GPS inside the baby Jesus and traced the thief to her, to her home. But the baby Jesus doesn't have to be expensive. In 2008, in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, the thieves not only stole a plastic baby Jesus, they took the concrete block and chain meant to keep that from happening. Again, it's called stolen baby Jesus syndrome. Some take babies as a joke, others do so because they want to protest Christmas. But the thief doesn't always have bad intentions. About, about 10 years ago, Chicago police say an art student at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago was arrested for stealing a figure of the baby Jesus from the nativity scene at Daly Plaza. Two witnesses saw him pull the three-foot figure from the manger and just walk away with it. When questioned, about the theft, the man said he took the figure because he saw it and he wanted Jesus. <laughs> oh, that reminds me, Whitney, my oldest daughter, one time, long time ago, played Mary in a children's Christmas musical. Uh, she had to keep track of baby Jesus, not lose the doll. She had one job, and she took her five-year-old job very seriously. Through all the rehearsals, she took it seriously until the night of the actual show. When, in the middle of the scene, in the most important, focused part of the musical, Whitney licked baby Jesus' forehead. Now that goes a little too far. That's a little too close. To be truthful, Jesus does want us to draw close uh, to him this morning, this day. 
And I invite you to do that. If you've never made the choice to answer Jesus' offer to be your, your up-close personal Savior, would you do it right now? You can do it through prayer. Do not delay or put it off. If you would like to receive Christ, baby Jesus, receive Jesus by faith, pray this simple prayer in your heart. Say, Dear Lord, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And Jesus, you are that Savior for me. Save my soul. Save me from my sin. Be close. I believe you are close enough to touch and strong enough to trust. And so I receive you as my Lord and Savior this day. Uh, I, I commit to follow you as your follower. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, God heard you and saved you. I personally want to welcome you to the family of God and wish you a very special Merry Christmas. Let me end with a poem that I've loved from the first time I read it. It's called simply A Quiet Hour. Amid the Christmas rush and noise of Christmas trees and children's toys, of gift and bow and mistletoe and presents laid out in a row, we need to take a quiet hour to contemplate all heaven's power, which sent to earth our heavenly king when angels in the realm did sing. And in a quiet manger lay a baby upon the hay. There in that silent place we find the focus of all time and space. Amen. Have a Merry Christmas.